Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai, and what? This is not Jimmy Wong sitting, sitting next to me. Hi, I'm Jordan Pridgen. I'm a staff writer here on the show. I do a bunch of the ads and, like, the Strixhaven commercials and, and fun little side things we do like that. Yeah, Jordan is responsible for a lot of the writing that gets done around here. Um, you've been with us for how long, Jordan? I know we went over this in the last episode, but let's just refresh everyone's memory, including my own. Like, just about a year. A year mm-hmm. on the team, and you're an avid commander player. I am. And Jordan is also one of the more talkative um, political players in our playgroup, which is why you're sitting here. Sure. Uh, so our, let's let's tease the topic here today, Jordan. On our show in the past, you know, five years or how, how seven years we've been around, Jesus Christ. Yeah, a while uh, now. <laughs> yeah. We've done a number of episodes about politics. Have, have you listened to any of those past episodes oh, yeah. we've done? Yeah, the Art of War and the uh, Machiavellian pre- stuff. Particular fan of both Art of War and the Machiavellian ones because, like, I love that stuff back when I was younger. And, like, turning it into magic, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This is how we should think about it. It's one of our, I, I think both of us and, and a lot of people out there, it's one of our, you know, one of the reasons we like Commander is yeah. there is the social interaction and the table banter. So a lot of our past episodes have really dealt with giving suggestions or advice regarding like when you're being proactively political in a game like how to make deals with other people or how to sort of think orthogonally or think about the political aspect of the game but i don't think we have necessarily covered on the show uh sort of another side to that political coin Mm -hmm. in the game which is you sometimes you're not starting the politics a lot of times the politics are sort of coming to you another player at the table is you know offering a deal to you yep And make no mistake, when a player is doing that, they're making a move, right? They are. You're under attack a little bit in some ways. And it's always, it's not always clear, like, how to thwart those attacks or how to blunt them. Well, because think about it. I mean, when you go to someone and you make a deal, you're thinking about, yeah, when you offer a deal, you're thinking about how you can gain from it. There's often something you know that they don't or some plan you have with how that deal is going to go out. And that's just as true when someone is coming to you. Yeah. So you need to sort of think about it, I think, along that axis. And so on this episode, we're going to talk about how you deal with it. How you deal with dealers. Yes. Jordan wrote that because he's a writer. He wrote the title or, uh, you know, how we're titling the episode. So this episode is going to be all about that. How you deal with politics that are initiated by your opponents. But before we get into it, we need to talk about our sponsors, channelfireball.com slash command, or you can use the code command at checkout. When you use Channel Fireball's new marketplace, you are going and using the marketplace now, right? Channel Fireball recently switched over they used to sell cards themselves but now they actually host a marketplace which means that a bunch of independent vendors compete for your business by you know setting their prices against one another similar to other marketplaces online i think most people are familiar with how this works the great thing about channel fireball well there's two things one they're vetting their vendors so everybody on their site has to have a business license which means they're basically an lgs uh, they're professionals, means you're supporting LGSs, means you're getting professional service, means you can trust that you're going to get high-quality cards back, there's not going to be any problems. There's just a level of accountability to the whole thing that, that makes it really nice to work with. Yeah, and then any cards you 
you're ordering probably have some value. You want them to retain value. You want to put them in a nice Eclipse sleeve by Ultra Pro. You want to play it on a nice Ultra Pro playmat. You want to protect your decks in like a Satin Tower deck box. Super sturdy. Going to make sure nothing gets damaged. Or uh, the Mythic Collection deck boxes. You know, we trust Ultra Pro so much here at the Command Zone that when we release products, Ultra Pro is the one that manufactures those products. Uh, And also... They're the ones that Jimmy and I use to protect all the cards in our collection. So can't can't really endorse them any higher than that. Uh, and then the final way to support all of our content is to go to patreon.com slash command zone. Patrons get all kinds of cool perks like getting to watch game nights and extra turns earlier than the general public. Also, we have a Discord. You can talk with each and every one of us. A lot of members of our team are on there uh, every single day. And we shout out one lucky patron every seven, single episode. And this episode is dedicated to... Joseph Slade. Slade. You got there for the last name. Yeah. Joseph Slade. Joseph, you rock. Let's go into the main topic here. All right. Dealing with dealers, commander Dealing politics. With dealers. Yeah. So again, this episode is more about how you handle politics when it's initiated by your opponent. What you do when a deal is offered to you or when politics are going on, but you didn't start them. Which, like, depending on what type of player you are, like, this could be... A lot of the politics you do, like, I know, like, you and I are both the sort who, like, try and, like, initiate things like that a lot, but, like, especially at newer tables, sometimes you'll see people who are, you know, being on the receiving end of politics just right off the bat, and that's a lot of what what their experience is, so. Yeah, I really like that, actually, in that, and I think a lot of players, you know, of Magic, maybe you're not the outgoing type, so you're not the one that's going to, like, start the conversation, but somebody else might start the conversation, and Mm -hmm. this might help you have some context for which to, like, navigate those situations and make sure that you're accounting yourself well, giving yourself the best chance of victory, not getting, you know, conned in some way. Yeah. Yeah, so this, hopefully this episode will be helpful uh, for everybody who's really into politics, or or even all the way to, I'm, I'm not interested in politics, but you still want to be able to navigate this stuff. Um, So we wanted to start this episode by taking a look at a very common deal that gets proposed in a lot of games these days. And it's something that I uh, have used quite frequently. I've seen you do do it, Jordan. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of games, there'll be a point and one player will kind of, there'll be something scary played by a player. Right. right. Let's say Jordan plays something scary. Sure. And then another player, it'll get to their turn, and there'll be something on Jordan's board that's like, hmm, we, we kind of would like to remove that. I, I'd like to remove that. But you don't want to spend your turn or your card actually removing the thing. And so a player will offer a deal or, or make some political statement that kind of goes like this. You know, I could remove your thing, Jordan. But, you know, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to waste my whole turn doing it. How about this? How about... You just promise not to use that thing against me. Yeah, just for just for next turn. And then, you know, I can develop my board. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to kill it. That sounds great to me. I get to keep my thing and and now we're friends or whatever. Right. So that deal that I've offered, I'm sure you've heard it if you played a lot of commander in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they don't always word it the exact same way. But it's basically trying to well well. It's, it's, it's basically putting Jordan in actually what doesn't seem like a, a tough position, but actually is, I think, well, a tough position. Because if you don't think about it, it, it feels like, great, I'm gaining continuing to have my person on the board, and it costs me nothing. All I have to do is use it on someone else. Right. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Right? You don't want your thing to be removed, obviously, right? If you're yeah. Jordan in this case. And your natural instinct, I think, most people's natural instinct is to, like, agree or appease the person. Like, don't destroy my thing. I'm, and it doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal. How big of a deal is it? Like, if I, if, if I just can't use my thing against Josh, well, I have two other opponents. Mm-hmm. So... My thing still has a lot of usefulness. I'm going to get to, you know, I didn't come here, sit down, you know, shuffle my deck up, put it into my backpack, bring it all the way to somebody's house, find parking, unpack, come here, start the game to not play my, have my cards like be able to attack or do whatever they're supposed to do, right? Sure. So it feels like I will appease the person so that I get to use my card. And, but I, I don't think actually that, I think actually Jordan is quite disadvantaged when he agrees to the steal. A lot of the time, that's definitely true. And I mean, when you think about it, like you are taking the piece that you have on the board, which was a threat to the three other people you have, and you're removing a third of the options you have for how to use it. And a third is a lot when you only have three opponents. Yeah. So it's 33% less effective the thing immediately by you re- by you uh, agreeing to that deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also a little lot of little ancillary sort of negative things that happen here because... Let's say the other two players, let's say Mel and Megan are here. Sure. 
Well, they automatically now know, well, instead of a 33% chance for that thing to have been a threat to me, it's now a 50% chance for that thing to... So it, so it ups the threat level of the thing in their eyes towards them. And if they were sitting there thinking like, oh, that's a problem, but maybe I cannot remove it. Like now that they know it is more likely coming at them, there's a much higher chance that they're going to use the removal they have on that thing. So it definitely affects Jordan in a pretty negative way to accept this deal. I think the question then becomes like, how do you kind of get out of this political trap that you've been put in yeah. by the person just initiating this deal with you? Because as soon as they start the thing, like, hmm, I don't like that thing you've got, but, but do I need to remove it? You're in trouble now. They've already like put you, they've put you in the trap. And now it's like, how do you navigate away? How do you blunt the political assault and come out clean on the other side so that you kind of, so I think the first step to all political deals when they are being started by somebody else initiated and they're coming towards you, or even if they're coming towards your opponents, the mm -hmm. first step is to like stop and interpret what the person's saying. Like you want to figure out what that political player is really saying, what their goals are. Like what, what are they trying to accomplish here? Because they're not going to tell you no. their real goals and motives in that situation. Not at all. And I mean, that's one of the things about making deals in Commander. Like, yes, you don't want to lie about like what you are making and what deal you are making. You're not going to like, I'm not going to attack you and then attack them because that hurts your credibility. Yeah, that's just a straight up lie. But you don't have to give them all the information. Right. And you can say like, I'm going to have to remove that with nothing in your hand that does it. Right, it's true. I wasn't lying. I didn't say I could. I just said I I have to. Yeah. It's totally different. Yeah. If you have good lawyers, they can find you loopholes and they can word things in certain ways. There's almost a respect, and I have this too, uh -huh. for a person who's like, yeah, you got me. You said I won't attack and then you destroyed my thing. That's different. I get it. I should have had better lawyers. Sure, yeah. You know, you do the little demon contract thing. Yeah. And just be like, ha ha ha, yes. <laughs> yes, but you didn't account for this, the lack of this one comma. Sure. <laughs> All within the politics yeah. of everything. But I, I think it's important, too, to kind of think about the fact that this deal even, like, is trading in-hand information that isn't something you actually know is there for onboard power. Right. You know? Okay, so let's look at what the person's saying here, and let's try and interpret what it is that they're actually saying, right? Sure. So they come to you and they say, you know, you've got a scary thing. Do I have to remove that, or would you just like to make a deal where you just promise not to use against me in the near future, and therefore I can advance my position in the game. Mm -hmm. So what what are the goals of the of the political player in this instance? I think the first one is allowing them to safely advance their board, right? Yeah. So this deal's very often used in the early part of the game where sure. it's like turn three or four and a removal spell will cost enough mana that they won't also be able to do something else. And you know, they're really wanting to advance their board so that later in the game, you know, man ramp or whatever. Yeah, like like imagine it's like turn two or three and you've ramped a little bit and now you have the choice between using your four mana to cast a Swords to Plowshares and kill something or cast that Smothering Tide yeah. that would then start get things going for you. <laughs> as soon as you said four mana, I knew it. Yeah, because <laughs> well, all the time they're like, you know, blah, 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 blah. So will you not agree? And the person says yes. And they're like, cool, Smothering Tithe, go. Yeah. yeah or cool, Ristic Study, go. Or cool, you know, Mana Rock, go. Cool, Cultivate, go. That, like that is often the play pattern there because they, you know what they wanted to do. They want to ramp or get their card draw set yep. up. But they're just, they don't want to take damage or, you know, have you destroy something or whatever in the meantime. So I think, you know, the first thing they're trying to accomplish is safety while they, you know, try and keep up with the rest of the Which, table. I mean, board development, board development is a threat to you. As one of their opponents, if they're developing their board, yeah, it's not as immediately impactful to you as getting your creature removed, but that is how you win games, yep. by having the more developed board. Yeah, definitely if you're on turn 7 or 8 and you just haven't developed as much, you can easily be in a position where other players are poised to win the game, sure. and you don't quite have enough resources to try and win the game yet, and then you're in a bad spot. Yeah. Uh, I, go ahead. I was just going to say, imagine that you got that... Smothering Tithe out one turn later. It's a big missed, difference. Yeah, you missed, let's say, just three treasures, like almost the minimum that you get for Smothering Tithe. That's a big swing. Yeah, yeah. It means the difference between nine or 12 mana at some, yep. some point in the future. Yeah, okay. Um, the second thing I think they are often saying when they make a deal like this, the unsaid thing is they want to gain protection from that thing for free. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's like, why should I use my removal spell if I can just talk the person out of using it against me? Right. 
and and then I still have the thing in my hand to use later. Exactly. Like that is that's actually I think a, a lot of reasons politics sort of works in Commander is is literally like I have one removal spell. If I use it on that thing, I have zero removal spells. But if I can just talk the person out of it, then I still have my one removal spell. And by the way, I can then also talk the next person out of it because I still have the removal spell. Which, in a weird way, is like one of the best ways to like gain card advantage yeah. in Commander by not using the card to do the to achieve the same goal. Why would you use the card if no. your words can just do it? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think there's a subtle thing that that's being that's happening here and we alluded to it earlier which is and this isn't always like an active goal of the of the politics uh-huh. this political move though d- just kind of has uh, the side effect of this happening which is it to point out to the other two players mel and megan in this case um that that thing is a threat to raise yeah. the threat level of either the player or the thing that the player has in their eyes because simply the act of like expressing the desire to get rid of it uh-huh sort of puts it on the radar of the other players. And often I've been in a game, you know, where somebody starts talking about a thing and I'm like, oh yeah, that thing is, I wasn't thinking about it, but well, boy, that thing is a bad idea. Yeah, I would would like for that to go. Yeah, and I mean, uh, commander board states can be kind of complicated. There's a lot of times where you are trying to like figure out what is the threat that needs to be removed on the board. And if someone else sits there and goes like, ooh, that Faber Elder is getting them way too much mana now. Do I have to deal with that? Yeah. Maybe someone on the other side of the table goes, that is getting him a lot of mana. Yeah, isn't it? I, I well, I have a removal spell. If if maybe I'll take care of it. Whereas they're not paying attention to uh, the something nice that's sitting in my board as I oh like, oh that that's it. That's interesting. Yeah. So not only pointing out a threat somebody else has, sure, but actually like distracting from your own board. Exactly. Because, yeah. So you naturally are going no no look over there. Don't look at what I'm doing because uh-huh. that thing's really really scary. Oh okay. Well I'm not gonna. I guess I won't. Re- yeah. I won't remove it this turn. But let's walk. Keep an eye on that thing. And then you're like smothering tithe. And then it's like somehow. How? Yeah, the outcome there can be that smothering tie is not that big a deal. I'm worried about you know that thing on their board. That's pretty cool. Yep. So so you kind of know what they're going after here when they offer this deal, and and the question becomes you know what do you do about it? How do you respond if you're Jordan in this scenario? I think one of the first things you can do, no matter what, is address that threat level thing mm-hmm. by just immediately like saying. You know, why would you want to destroy my whatever when that thing over there is more scary? Just throw sure. a wrench in the works. Don't, don't accept the premise that they put out for you that like, oh, this is the biggest threat. It needs to be removed and I'm going to remove it if this, you know, right now. Like, that's what they're setting up and they want you to believe that. So at least evaluate if that's true before you just accept it. Yeah, you can always say, oh, you're just saying that because you've got that, you know. Yeah. At least like even yourselves out in the in the mm-hmm. minds of the other two opponents. I think that will... You know, at the minimum, you can do something like that. Sure. But but I think there's also some things to consider when uh, responding to this particular deal um, that will help you navigate, you know, to a standstill at least or maybe gain some advantage from this happening. So the first thing I like to think about is like, what's the game state? Is it early game? Is it late game? Is it mid game? Early game, like we said, that person often wants to develop their board. They mm-hmm. really don't want to use their whole turn early to destroy your thing because think about how negative that is for both the player offering the deal and the player of the thing that's getting destroyed. I use a card. Jordan loses a thing. So that yep. two cards lost for us. What Our two opponents just gained an advantage and they, it cost them nothing. So it's something you just really don't want to do because you fall behind. Yes, you take the other player down yep. a little bit with you, but... They don't have to do anything. They just they just get a lead. And, and I'll tell you, like I run a lot of like interaction and removal in my decks. And when I get in the situations where I'm the one who has to do the removal, everyone else starts to move forward. Yeah, you, like, it feels like you're falling behind. It's an important thing to be able to do. But if you have to do it, it is a cost. It's yeah. a very serious one. I mean, obviously, we're not talking in a situation where like the thing is a combo piece and it has to be taken care of, right? You do sure. that because you're going to lose, and that's you usually don't offer the deal then because like they're like. You know, well, yeah, I won't use it against you, but I'll just kill everybody with it. Well, and I think that's the key to this whole thing. If someone is offering the deal, they don't want to do it. Like, I'm not offering you not to remove your consecrated sphinx. Right. Because I want to remove because your consecrated sphinx. Because it's easy for me. Sphinx. Yeah. I want to have this on something else. Consecrated sinks is a bad one because I would remove it. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you're not worried about it for whatever reason. But sure. But the important part is that I have a plan. I have something else I want to do. And I'm just pretending that I want to remove the Consecrated Sphinx. And I've seen this happen many, many times now. And uh, I think I've gone on the show a lot. And you've probably seen on Extra Turns and Game Nights where I am 
I, I'm a person that's perfectly willing to be like, no, I'm not going to take your deal. You got to do your thing. Good luck. Yeah. You know, if you want to remove my thing, go for it. And I'd say like a high percentage of the time in the early game when somebody offers this deal, I won't remove your thing if you promise not to use against me. Mm-hmm. If you go, no, I'm not making any promises. If you got to remove it, go for it. I'd say a high percentage of the time they go, all right, I'm still not going to do it. I'm going to play my man rock. All I'm going to play my smothering type. They do not want to, at that point in the game, fall behind, you know, not develop. Well, and this is just a slightly different sort of situation. But like I had a game just the other day where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to remove that thing if you use it like that. And they do it and I go. I'm not. <laughs> uh. you called me. I would say, you know, on the other hand here, we're mostly talking about the, the, the person that's responding to the politics. But in some respects, if you, it, I would think about removing it, even if it's bad for me in that game, Definitely. just to set the precedent that I will do what I say. Sure. So that, the, you know, that might make it so that they have to accept the deal the next four or five games. Yes. Because, and yes, it'll probably cost me that game or I'll be behind. Getting a reputation can be very important. Yeah. So uh, think about that if you're on the other side. Um, another thing I like to consider... Uh, when these deals are coming at me, and I think not enough, not enough people consider this in general in Commander, especially in the politics arena, is table position. Yeah. So uh, if you're watching the video, um, you know, we said I'm offering the deal to Jordan. Jordan's got the scary thing on his board that I, I'm, I'm threatening to remove. Mm-hmm. If we're in that case, it's a lot better for Jordan, I think, to make the deal with me, knowing that like, then I say go and he's... I'm going to get value out of that. Now, let's imagine that Jordan is sitting in front of me now. So Megan and Mel are to my left. So what's going to happen is we're gonna, you and I are going to make this deal. And then I'm going to say pass the turn and two more players are going to take their turns before it goes to Jordan's turn. And you've primed both of them to be afraid of that thing and realize that it is going to be there when it gets to that turn. So what are the chances that you actually, they, one of them doesn't take care of it in some way, but like thinking about, okay, well, what is going to happen here? What's the table situation? Like how many people get to, like how much information is currently hidden from me? Yeah. If it's two whole players turns, boy, I'll be really, 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 uh, what's the word? I would really want to say no to that deal if I'm like, Listen, two other people are going to go. I, I got to say no, because th- they might just destroy it. it. It would have to be something on the board that I'm like, if this gets removed, I've lost the game. Because realistically, if you have something like that powerful, it's going to get removed. That's how things work in Commander. Like yeah. Something doesn't just sit on the board for turns and turns if people are like playing properly. The other thing I like to think about, and you notice most deals are like offered before the player has really done anything in their turn yeah so a lot of times they this is like just a very common loophole where they're like making a deal with you they're like okay so uh, you know we made the deal you know maybe they're broader maybe they say i could destroy this thing on your board i don't really want to do that i'd rather develop how about we make a deal that you don't destroy anything on my board next turn i won't destroy anything on your board this turn and we'll just be friends for the next turn how's that sound you know i want to keep my thing so yes and then they play some stuff where you're like hmm if I would have known that was the stuff that was coming out, I would have made this deal. But now I can't touch any of it yeah. because, you know, I made this deal. So be aware of what information might be being hidden from you. Jordan, you had a good way to handle the removal spells. which was just to sort of like, hey, show me the, the removal spell. Yeah, that, that's like one of my favorite ways to do it is if people are like, oh, I'm going to remove that. I'm like, with what? Show, show me what you've got. I, I want to see like what your plan is to get rid of it. Yeah, maybe I'll accept your deal. But I want to know, first of all, do you have it? And then also like... What is that spell? Is it yeah. destroy a creature? Any permanent? Like, give me some info. If it is any permanent, sometimes the reason they're holding on to it is because, like, they want to be able to deal with an enchantment that comes out, not your, like, dinky little creature yep. that's doing something there. Yeah, does it cost them four mana? Then they yeah. really don't want to do it. Like, show me what your removal spell mm-hmm. is. Maybe you could make the deal in this way, I think, would be really clever. I've never actually tried this, but as we were talking, we came up with this scenario that I like, so I might try it in the future, which is like, yo, show me that spell. They show it to you, and you go, okay. I will counter-offer you this. That spell can never destroy any of my things. You can use it against the other two players, so I'll allow you to retain some value. But since you are effectively using it right now by me, by getting this guarantee from me... I want a card from you, too. I, I want this to not be a threat to me in the future. Because otherwise you can just do say the same thing to me next turn. So yeah. why don't I just let you destroy it now? So uh, you want to develop your board? You want to have safety from this thing for a little while? Sure. But that sort of plow shares in your hand... You were making the agreement that that can just never touch any of my stuff for this whole game. Well, it's like, I've seen this happen a lot. I've seen it happen even with like board wipes sometimes where someone's like, you've got a big board right there. I could wipe the board, but you're not going to hit me with it, are you? And they're like, okay, I won't wipe the board this turn. 
And then they go and they attack other people. And the next turn, they're like, board, board wipe. wipe. <laughs> Great. I got one hit on all my opponents. And then I dealt with the problem. And it's like, because if they have a board wipe, they've got a board wipe. Yeah. Like, they just grabbed you and used you as a gun against the other yeah. two players in that case. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's like if you've ever played even with just like an oblivion stone or something on the battlefield. Yeah, you'd love to remove it. But the next best thing is to get them to use it so you can start building up your board again. Yeah. Like, so I think the, the one of the big sort of morals of the story here is that, mm -hmm. you know, you when they come to you with that deal, first find out what they, it is you think they're trying to accomplish. And then you can start to attack at the foundations of that. And we're not saying don't take the deal, but you might be able to alter it in a way or get more from them so that you can m bring this back to equilibrium where the deal is a true deal. You had a great saying that is a known thing in negotiations, um, which was what? A good deal? Yeah, it, it's like it, if... If a negotiation was good, both people walk away a little unhappy. Right. That's how you know uh, the deal was fair and equitable, right? Right. Yeah. If any side walks away and they're really happy, they probably, you know, they probably scammed the other side in some way. Yeah. But if both walk away and they're like, we both sides didn't get everything they wanted, well, it was mm -hmm. probably a pretty fair deal. So if you have the, another uh, saying I like in negotiation is if they didn't say no, you haven't asked for enough. Yeah. So you haven't found the how far they're willing to go unless you got to the point where they were like, no, that that's not that deal's no good for me. Oh, I wanted to make a note uh, before we move on here, which is that don't be fooled if people use slightly different wording. This deal that we described here, this like, hey, I don't want to destroy your thing, so let's make the let's make the agreement that uh, you don't use it against me, I don't destroy it, so I can develop my board. There's a lot of ways to say this deal when you mean the same thing. One of my favorite ways to do it is to ask questions rather than because. Uh -huh. When you go to somebody and you're just like, hey, I have a deal for you. There's a lot more of a chance that they like get their back up and they're like, okay, he's playing politics against me. I got to be ready. He's going to try and trick me. Whereas if instead you go, how worried do I have to be about your, yeah. your, your enchantment over there? Is this a problem for me? Yeah. That aura shards. Is that, how worried do I have to be? Are you going to start blowing up stuff on my board? Yeah. They aren't saying the same thing as the person that's like, I would like to remove that thing. That's scary but I won't if they're just starting it in a different way. Or I, I say this a lot, which is like somebody plays a scary piece and I'm like, how scared should I be of that? Are you like going to win the game with it next turn? Yeah. Does that win? Yeah. Is this, is this a combo deck? Are you going to like two different, like how <laughs> yeah. I just want to know like what kind of game I'm in here, but I also am starting to make a deal with them when I ask that question. So don't be fooled when they use slightly different wording. You need to boil it down to, oh, they're doing that thing where they want to develop their board yeah. and they don't want to use their resources to kill my thing. It's it's like we mentioned earlier, like they're setting up a premise that isn't necessarily true, but right. they're, they're creating that little myth for the table. Uh, yeah, don't necessarily buy into that premise. Okay, we've got a bunch of examples of other common deals and offers that players might initiate with you and how to respond to them. Uh, one, I think, is one of the most common scenarios that comes up in basically every game of Commander has a point where, oh, yeah. where this happens. Uh, how's that for a tease? Before we, we move on to all that stuff, though, we got to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. We are talking about dealing with dealers, commander politics. All right, we're going to go through... We went through like what I think is one of the most common deals that you kind of get approached with. Like really archetypal. Yeah. And, and I think that there are a lot of like other deals that all sort of fall into that category. So like the same basic thoughts can be used in a lot of situations, but... Yeah, and I think we're going to go through, a, a, you know, a few more here. And, uh-huh. and again, word for word, exactly not every deal will be like this, but these are archetypal, like you said. These are types of deals you see all the time. So one of the other most common, like, offers players will make uh, to you or to others is, hey, if I remove this thing that's a problem for the whole table, like Jordan has a scary thing again, and it's an Elish Norn, right. or it's a Shieldred, or it's a combo piece that if, you know, it's a doubling season, right. and everybody wants it destroyed, and so I say, okay, I have the means to destroy this thing, but it's going to take a lot of resources for me to do that, everybody. So... I would appreciate it if you would show a little gratitude when I do the thing that we all want to have happen. And nobody attacks me for the next turn or or, or you don't just, remove my thing here, please. Yeah, exactly. They they appeal to the other two players of like, I'm doing this thing for all of us. Uh-huh. So after I do that, you know, how about you give me something for that? And this happened in the recent episode of Game Nights. Uh, Sholo differently did it at one point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this can also be KOing the player. A lot of times one player gets so scary that everybody feels like they have to team up to take him down because if they get another turn, they have 27 cards in hand and whatever combo piece is out. And right. They, they're definitely going to run away with it. So the t- table goes, okay, we're going to take him out. And then it gets to the person who can take him out and they go, okay, listen, I can take him out. And they, they could do something like they could like tap out for a Kessig Wolf run and have their trampler go in and kill just that person but that means entirely tapping out and you know tapping their blocker yeah so i gotta take my whole turn to do this so how about after i do that you all be nice to me don't attack me just let me you know pretend i'm not here for one turn Uh uh-huh so that's a very common thing i think i see in a lot of games and the question is what do you do in this scenario um and, and uh, the way I like to think about this is that almost always the person is going to do the thing regardless of what they're going to get from the other yep. players. If a Super Friends deck has a doubling season out on the table and, you know, they're about to untap or their next turn, you know, uh-huh. like if you have the ability to destroy the doubling season, you have to do it because you are going to lose to the player with the doubling season. Oh, 100%. So the, you're going to ask, sure. For like favors from the other play- people, but I am totally fine if I'm one of the other opponents being like, listen, if you want to just sit here and let the doubling season go, stay there, you know, you have the means to destroy it and you just let it exist. Like we get what we get, which is probably to lose to that person. But like, I'm not going to give you stuff to do what you should do. Yeah. You're like, it's almost the same scenario for me. Yeah. Like I- I'm not, you have to do this. It is, you are between a rock and a hard place. You are not in a position with leverage to negotiate like you think you are. Right. Same thing if a player is very, very powerful and you have the ability to take them out before they get their next turn. Hey, listen, if you want to let them live, go for it. They're going to win the game, though. So, you know, you you give yourself the best chance by doing the thing that's obvious, and we don't need to, therefore, give you anything to do those things. Yeah, which I think, and I, this is true with, like, all of these deals, like, there are nuances, and there are sure, times sure. where, like, yes, you take deals that happen like that. And I could see it being a situation where what they're asking for is like minor enough that you're like, yeah, my chances of beating things through that are much higher than my chances of uh, letting Josh can untap with all the creatures he ha- has out on the battlefield there. Right. Um, but also, I mean, this is the sort of thing that tends to happen like kind of near the end game a lot of right. times. Yep, People yep. have built their stuff out. And I've been the player before who's like, well, I'm going to do everything I can to kill this person. Can no one help me? And Or can everyone not hurt me? And I will tell you, like 90% of the time, I'm like, 
if it gets around to my turn again, I win. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so all I want to do is knock this person out, wait till my next turn, then win. Yeah. This yeah. is the thing that's stopping me from winning. Yeah. And I need to get rid of it so I can win. Yep. Is there a way I can also stop them from destroying my engine in the process? Uh, we have a little note here, and it was something we talked about, Jordan, which is there is a certain amount of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like what you said there, because I don't want anybody to interpret this episode as us saying, hey, never make these deals, never agree to these deals. Sometimes yeah. you do. In fact, you know, if it's offered to you 99 times, maybe you accept the deal 70 times. Sure. But right now, I feel like a lot of you are accepting it 99 times. And like, look for those little edges, those 20% of the time, that 25% of the time when it's not in your best interest to accept the deal, or you should be negotiating it a little bit. Well, and I think there's sometimes a mentality people get into with Commander that's like, Commander's a game where you make deals, and there's politics yeah. and stuff. And therefore, when it's brought to me... I should accept that. I should accept it. Yeah. But... No, it's a move that you're doing. Sometimes you should, sometimes you shouldn't. Just like you don't remove every creature that's put out on the board, you pick the ones that are advantageous. Yeah, good. Yeah, well said. So there was a quite a little a note we made here, which is there is some amount of goodwill between players that is created whenever a deal mm-hmm. is sort of offered and accepted. So sometimes if it's minor enough, and I think we see this in small deals like, hey, I have a creature and when it attacks, I get to loot. Yeah. It's a 1-1, one, one, though, and you could block and kill it. Can you just not just take the one and let me loot? Like, or, then we'll hey, be fr- you could block this with your Solemn Simulacrum, and then you get a card. Like, right. I'm willing to to let you kill that Solemn Simulacrum. Yeah, go ahead. Swing it. A lot of times people have a Solemn. They're like, hey, can I swing this to you? Will you block it so that it'll die and sure. I can draw the card? And, you know, there's not a lot you can ask for in that case. You can't be like, don't ever use your removal spell against me then, because you're not giving them enough advantage for that to be worth it. But sometimes it's worth it to just be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Just yeah. to, just so now I'm friendly with you. So next time I come to you, you're like, hey, remember when I did you that favor? Maybe you're a little bit more amenable to like whatever my offer is. Well, it's just like there's a phenomenon in real life where if like the first time you meet somebody, you ask them a small favor right. of some sort, they're like inclined to like you a little bit more. And it's like a weird human psychology thing. And sure, that can absolutely happen in games of commander like think about how often you've played a game and you sort of establish who you're like on the same side with kind of early on and that matters the whole game it's amazing how it kind of gets cemented and then your brain starts to shortcut it right and you don't re-examine like wait should i be friends with them the whole game from that one thing because they you know because i blocked their solemn simulacrum earlier oh yeah (laughs) but but you got it fixed in your head that you were a team so there is a little bit of goodwill i would say you know, so sometimes in these offers, and I would say sometimes there's legitimate reasons. Like in the Game Nights episode when Sholo said, hey, I, I have to tap out to take out Jimmy. And he literally did have to tap out and use yeah. his activated ability and not play any cards. Can you please just not like attack me for the next turn? Mm-hmm. You know, that felt reasonable um, in that case. But there are times I think when you have to look at it and be like, yo, that's a combo piece. You know, you can't just let a Kiki Jiki sit. No. You can't let him untap with that. So if, yeah. if you have the ability to destroy it, I'm not going to give you... I'm not going to give you a cookie because you destroyed it. That's what you're supposed to do so you don't lose the game. You're not doing it for us. You're doing it for you, right? You're still trying to win, right? Now, okay, this is just a little bit going into your positioning thing, too. But I've been in situations before where, like, I could remove something, and I'm like, well, you guys give me this if I don't remove it. And there's two people coming before it becomes a threat. And they go, no, we're not going to do it. And I go, great, one of you guys handle it. Good. (laughs) Because there are two more people, and you're like, I bet one of you can do it. It's risky, though. <laughs> it is. It's super this risky. This is why another reason why playing instance is so good, because oh. you can say things like, oh, I don't have any way to get rid of it, and then wait and see, and then on the end step right before, ah, I didn't want to do this, but I'll do it. Um, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Okay. So that's uh, one of the other common deals, the, hey, will you give me immunity if I do the thing I was already going to mm-hmm. do? Um, here's another sort of common scenario. When other players are making deals with each other. So, yep. so both of the deals we've just... Um, We've, we've talked about in this episode, you know, the one like, oh, you got a scary thing. What if I don't remove it? Will you not attack, use it against me for the next mm-hmm. turn so I can develop my board? A lot of times it doesn't get offered to you, right? You don't have the scary thing. Somebody yeah. else does. And so Jordan starts making the offer to Mel. And that is a potential problem for you because them coming to some sort of agreement, mm-hmm. even if it's just like Jordan... It, it lets Jordan develop his board. Maybe that's not something you want to happen or whatever. So the question sort of becomes, how can you interject yourself uh, when deals are being made that you're not directly involved in, at least at first? And I think um, a little side note here, I think it's a good instinct most people have, which is, 
you don't want the game to boil down to like everyone's talking and arguing. Yes. <laughs> like you don't want like a mass amount of debate to happen. These deals need to be a little streamlined. And in general, I think most people understand that the the general code of conduct is like other people are making a deal. You mostly shut up and just let it happen because the more you talk during it, the longer it's going to take. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you need to be silent in right. the whole thing. Especially if... If you notice, like, the sort of thing we were talking about where someone might be uh, painting it with a, a, a rosier color than right. it actually Might be is. conning the other person. Like, I have an Arixmethese out, and Josh is talking Jimmy into removing it. I, I could even just be like, wow, you think Arixmethese is the threat? Yeah. What about that? Oh, he's only saying that because he has this. Yeah. You know, I like to think of it as, like, I have five to seven words well-placed that I can say as a little quip to just throw enough deb- debate, throw enough doubt into the yep. moment that it can be, like, break up the whole deal where it's like you know he's just trying to trick you he's got a combo piece on the board he just doesn't want that to happen and just like saying it with a little bit of contempt like that will make the person be like wait they're trying to trick me and can make the whole deal fall apart or at least make them ask for more or whatever Mm -hmm. i think another um strategy and jimmy is really good at this one i've noticed which is you kind of start to play the role of like attorney or lawyer right so now you're not arguing with them you're helpful so you're like so let me just clarify you're saying this and you are saying that the deal would be this and you point out any loop but attacking would be fine is that correct oh but destroying their thing would be fine right oh but i noticed that a wrath would not be covered in this deal a wrath's fine and the person's like wait no 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 wrath either you know you said you wouldn't target their thing yeah uh yeah exactly so that is a really, I think, a really clever way to kind of sure. insert yourself into the proceedings. And you're even, like, you're building a little goodwill with the person you're, like, helping in yeah, that whole exactly. thing. Like, e- even some of the stuff that, like, we mentioned earlier that you could potentially, like, do to make the other deals better. If you, like, sort of point that out to someone and be like, oh, but is he going to be able to use that on that creature next turn? Yeah. And then maybe they'll go, wait, can you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, we just said this turn, so of course I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like, okay, crap. Yeah. Playing the lawyer or attorney really can help break up bad deals that are happening out there that are bad for you. Uh, a quick threat can do a lot too. A lot of times people are like, okay, I won't destroy that. And then you can do this with it. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I like to be like, ah, it won't matter. It's going to be dead. Yeah. I'm going to kill that thing. <laughs> like you won't can make whatever deal you want. It just won't be there. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of times that'll just deflate the whole thing where they're like, oh, <laughs> they're like, I'm not giving anything up to now gain nothing. Mm hmm. You put an interesting note here, which is be careful about revealing how much you care. Yeah, because if you go, no, come on, don't do that. Oh, yeah. Like, what? Man, now I really want to get rid of it. You together to do. It's like, oh, this really matters to them. <laughs> right. Oh, now we'd better get rid of that. He really wants it. Yeah. That's a good point. Or, or even, like, if you come in too strong, like, if you're making a deal with Jimmy, and I'm just like, don't make a deal with Josh. Right. <laughs> like, one, you'll be mad at me. And this person also could be like, you don't get to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely you don't want to come in like barking orders like that. Yeah. Yeah, and I definitely wouldn't make it about the person either. I think that's where you're kind of yeah. running the problem. Make it about the cards on the table or the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, that that's some pretty good stuff, I think, when, when other players are making deals with each other. And then the last sort of scenario we're going to talk about, which is super common. A big I'd say, one. I'd say like almost every game of Commander now. There are like games where it doesn't. But it's but rare. Yeah. There will be an arch enemy scenario alliance at some point in the game at some point in the game and it can be early middle Hmm. late one player will be far enough ahead that the other players feel like hey we need to team up or we won't have a chance against this player not and this is like such a common scenario that i feel like everyone like thinks they know exactly what to do but i think it gets mishandled a lot i agree so let's imagine the scenario is there's an arch enemy player. They're in first place in the game. Mm-hmm. Then there's the second place player, whoever's got the second best position in the game, third and fourth, right? Like there's almost never a point where people are exactly even, but it can be a little muddy. Second and third could be close. Third and fourth could be close. Right. You know, it's not really generally going to be arch enemy unless the first place player is significantly ahead of the second place player. Mm-hmm. So there's almost always a gap there, but the rest can be clustered in different ways. Um, one big thing about arch enemy alliance scenarios when everyone's like hey okay we have no chance against this player unless we all team up what can you get rid of what can you get rid of can you attack them how much damage can you do you know everybody starts to like let's suit up and let's like form a plan and let's do this thing and i think 
especially if you're the fourth player, if you're the player at the at the bottom who a lot of times is like way behind. Yeah. Let's imagine maybe you were mana screwed or something key, a key piece got removed early or you just haven't had enough card draw. You ramped early on, but then all the removals were, I mean, all the artifacts were blown up and that was how you ramped. So yeah. now, now everyone is sitting there. Better. Everyone can just do a lot more than you. I think in a lot of cases, it's not correct for the fourth place person to actually join the Arch Enemy Alliance. Mm-hmm. And it's more correct for them to not help the Arch Enemy either, but to be like, yeah, not say this out loud, but this is what you're thinking, which is like, yo, my only chance in this game is if I use my resources to try and catch up to everybody else, get enough cards, enough board position, enough mana on the table so that I'm back in the game. And if I'm just playing removal spells and dealing with problems, that'll never happen. So I got to let two and three deal with one and I will be over here trying to catch up. Well, b- because think about it. Like, who tends to initiate, like, the actual Arch Enemy Alliances? It tends to be... The second or third the place. Second, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the person who's in second and is like, I can't beat them. But if these guys are helping me... Maybe I have a chance. I can. Yeah. And well, their plan that? after that is not that we all were like, our alliance is successful. Let's Group go get a sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're like, their plan is, oh, once they knock off one, then I'm number one now. And there's mm-hmm. only, there's it's one, two, and three, and I just kill the other two. And they don't even have three teammates to team up against because there's one yep. player's gone. Yeah, I think a good um, example of this is there was a Game Nights episode, and I forget what set what it was with, that it was for, uh, but it had a Maz and MTG Nerd Girl, uh-huh. and it was Jimmy and I. And... Uh, I got off to a pretty early lead in that game. Was I playing Golos? Maybe I was. Um, I don't remember the details. But. I was pretty far ahead, and they did the, you know, hey, if we don't knock Josh down a peg, he's going to run with this game. We got to blah, blah, blah. And Which is always good advice if you're playing with Josh, by the way. <laughs> they weren't wrong. <laughs> like, I was way ahead. Uh, so, but what happened is Jimmy and Amaz um, and, and MTG uh, Nerd Girl were using a bunch of resources to kind of knock me down to size, mm-hmm. and it ended up working. But I think... MTG Nerd Girl was really hurt by joining the alliance with Jimmy and Amaz. I think because what ended up happening is she just, her board just didn't develop enough. She was forced to use removal spells rather than develop it. And so as soon as I was gone, you looked at the table and you're like, there's no way she can win now. Because she, there's not enough um, distraction going on for her to have enough time to come back in this game. What she really needed to happen was for me to fight it out with Amaz and Jimmy and hurt each other enough because that fight would have been close to bring us down while she comes up. And, and then she's just sprinting towards actually getting her deck where it needs to be to become a threat itself. Yeah, and, f- and I think for her, the hope there could have been like, it doesn't matter who comes out ahead as long as it takes a while and is, there's a lot of attrition. Yep. And by the time the dust settles on that, now maybe I'm up to the level or even above where I can start. And I think we see this in games where like that fourth place player feels like they, they didn't do anything for most of the game and then and came they, into it and won. Which happens all the time. Yeah. Like so many games, you're like, how did that person win? And when you look at it, it's because the people who were at the top ate each other. Yeah, a lot of times at the end of the game, people go, yeah, we just ignored that person for too long, right? Mm-hmm. That's the reason. And I think thinking of Arch Enemy Alliance in that way of like, can I be the person that kind of, you know, sits over here in the corner, yeah. doesn't help either side, lets them fight it out while I kind of get back into this thing. Um, sometimes you can't do it because it'll be like, well, the Arch Enemy is too powerful and without my help, they, they actually will not be able to overcome yeah. it. You have to join if it really does mean, like, winning the game. If, if you have a serious reason, like, it's like what we said, where if there's a big threat that needs to be removed or you're going to lose the game, you still remove that threat. It's really, really hard not to join into the Arch Enemy Alliance thing with the other two players, though, because if I come to you and I offer you a deal... Uh-huh. We already talked about how there's this feeling of appeasement. You natural, your natural instinct is to kind of agree to a deal that's been offered to you. Yeah. Well, it's magnified by two when two people are saying like, hey, we need everybody's help. And it's really hard to be like, you know. Well, what can be really insidious too is like, if we are like, oh, okay, we're all on the same team. We're buddies here. Can you do something to do that? Yeah. Like that could be them not wanting to use the resources they right. have. Oh, good. They have an answer. Then I oh, don't have to do that. Great. <laughs> this is like having two extra removal spells in yeah, my hand. Yeah. If you're the person in fourth and maybe even third and the Arch Enemy Alliance starts to happen, that's the first thing I would think about. Mm-hmm. Where am I in this game? Am I in second, third, or fourth? And if I'm in fourth, I would say that to the other players. Listen, 
what resources do you have? Because I'm behind already. Yeah. So if I start throwing resources at removal spells and stuff, I'll never catch up in this game. So, you know, it might be better for me to just hope that you two can... I wouldn't say this last part, but in my mind, I'm being like, yeah, I'm not giving my information first. You what can you destroy? And the thing is, like... I- one thing that's become that is clear throughout all of these is that information is a really valuable thing in magic. And just because someone says like, well, can you remove anything on his board? Doesn't mean you have to tell them you can. That's a really good point. Like, yeah, you have swords to plowshares in your hand and you can kill that consecrated sphinx. But like, they don't have to know that's an option you're not doing because that swords to plowshares could be the difference between you winning the game later. I think sometimes if you're the fourth player too, your actual best possible route to victory is sort of semi-allying with the f- person in first. Yeah. Like, because right now you have like a 10% chance to win, right? You're in fourth place. Everybody's ahead of you. What's your chances to win if you're in second place? There's only two players and the and player one is still ahead of you, but like they just fought off two and three. Well, and also like if you've been the arch enemy, it can be like, oh my God, everyone is just like coming in on me. Like you might actually be kind of willing to help out one person if they're not just like bringing that hammer down on you like everybody else. When you are the arch enemy too, um, I think a lot of times the right play when they make the alliance and there's three of them is to go, who's the weakest? Let me take that person out real quick because that takes away a third of their mana and a third of their card draw just like that. And if they're like, yep, I'm going to be a threat. I'm helping yeah. out. Then you're like... It would be awesome to remove that weakest threat over there. And now it's 2v1, which I have a better chance of than 3v1. Yeah. So looking like you're not necessarily against them makes them go, okay, it's more in my interest to deal with these two people who are ganging up on me. Yeah. It might be like, listen, I'm not going to hurt, you know, the fourth place where I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to get involved, but I got to develop my board over here. So good luck with the arch enemy. Yep. All right. Um, I just do want to reiterate what you said earlier, which I think is very smart. We talked about a lot of politics and a lot of political deals and a lot of times uh, saying no to deals that were coming your way, you should feel a little bit more empowered to not accept all deals that come your way. In fact, if you're currently accepting 80% of deals that come your way or, you know, whatever the percentage is, you're probably accepting too often. You should, you should say no just to get in practice of saying no. In fact, I would empower all of you out there to say no, and then even if that goes badly, just for the practice of saying, like, exactly. no deal. Like, think about the expected value. Yeah. I mean, going way back to the first thing, what happens if they do remove your creature? Sure, it could be bad, but, like, maybe then you have something later that they can't remove because they removed it then. Like, there's a lot, like, people are kind of risk-averse, and yeah. they tend to be loss-averse in this sort of thing, which is why, you know, people get upset about, like, having to mill cards, because, like, yep. damn it, I don't have I that w- Yeah, oh, I wanted to play that card, yeah. But it could just as easy mill you into a really good card that you draw, though. <laughs> yeah, I- exactly. And you just need to make sure that you're actually... Figuring out how much of a cost it is, if it was even going to be there that much longer, if whatever the deal was going to happen is actually going to bring it out, you ahead out more. I, but I do think practicing saying no to deals, because we don't do that in normal life that much, mm-hmm. where you somebody offers you something and you just straight up like, no. Um, I like to use a couple of phrases when, that are not no that help you with that. So my favorite phrase is, you got to do what you got to do. Yep. Yeah. Which is just like, I've heard your spiel, I get why you're saying it, but I'm not going to make a deal. You got to do what mm-hmm. you got to do. There's no hard feelings there. Um, you know, it's just like, nope, I don't think that's the best move for me. Uh, good luck. You got to play your turn however you think you got to play it, but no deal. You yeah. know, which is just like, you're trying to take the edge off saying no to it, but like, I am not accepting your proposal. Yeah. Yeah. Practice saying that. It, it's there, There's a lot of power that comes from saying no, actually. That's what they say, um, you know, in all negotiation is that like a, a lot of times the player that quote unquote wins is the one who's more willing to say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to the listeners, if someone says to you, hey, uh, you got a scary thing over there, do you want me to remove it or would you rather just promise not to use it against me for the next turn? What do you how do you respond to that? What do you say to them? We want to know what your strategies are for blunting that very common political assault that you are under. It's happening all the time. <laughs> happens all the time. It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. If you want to get your hands on any cool magic cards, you know, Crimson Vow is right around the corner. Midnight Hunt still out. There's all kinds of cool, crazy Where layers and stuff coming out. Yeah. If you want to get your hand on any magic singles, product, anything at all, channelfireball.com slash command is the place to go to get it. They have a brand new marketplace. It's really, really cool. It has a ton of licensed businesses as vendors there. So you know you're getting a professional level of quality and experience. 
Also, if you forget to type in channelfirewall.com slash command, you can just input the code command when you're checking out. I know this happens to a lot of people where they're like, I forgot to put in the affiliate link. Do I have to go back and order everything again? No, you don't. Yeah. Command at checkout. Channel Firewall will get you. Their, their selection's amazing. I've already ordered oh, yeah. some cards off there and they, they've got everything. So. so far, I've never run into something I needed to find that they didn't have. Right. They, they've so. got it because there's just so many vendors on there that they're pulling yeah. from the card pools of like, you know, hundreds of stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you get those cards don't forget you want to protect them you want to use ultra pro products to protect all of your game pieces they really are the best in the business they make the eclipse sleeves that i've got all of my decks in if you want that smooth shuffle feel and the eclipse sleeves are also extremely durable i have had i have my rune deck in eclipse sleeves and they are the very first eclipse sleeves before they were even pro gloss and like seriously every once in a while i gotta wipe them down a little bit with a um with a with a paper towel just because you know my hands get a little grubby after uh-huh. play. You know, you play it 50 times. And sure, like, yeah. It's going to get a little dirty. But that's it. Those those sleeves, like, are not a single one has ever broke or anything like that. Those things last for a long, long time. So yeah. You're not going to be having to resleeve your deck, like, every couple of months or whatever. Not at all. Not stuff. at all. It's good stuff. Um, all right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Jordan, you have something cool. I do have something cool. It is another card game that I really like, that I play a lot of, and it's a lot smaller, but it's a fun community, and it's called Doomtown or Doomtown Reloaded. Doomtown. Doomtown. Okay. It's the cowboy one, right? It is. It's actually a Weird West card game. Weird West? It's like the Wild West, but there's like monsters and demons oh. and like sandworms and stuff like that. It's an alternate reality. Like a fantasy Wild West kind of. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It, there's more like Cthulhu supernatural monsters and stuff going on like that. And this is a living card game, which means that when you buy the sets, you just get all the cards in the set. Uh, so, you know, you don't need to worry as much about like buying singles and stuff like that. And it's really fun. It's all about like using your dudes. All the terms are like Wild West stuff. So you're like, you boot your dudes to move them from town square to the saloon and stuff like that. I know this sounds corny, but it's it's like a blast. And the game's good. It's really good. And Didn't you like win a tournament recently? I, I did. We we had a little online Marshalls tournament that was like officially run by Pinebox Entertainment, the company that owns it. And uh, I came out on top of this tournament with my uh, my Anarchist Blessed deck, they're called, which is like a group of roving holy men. You said it's like a Miracles deck, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it sounds, it's, it does it have similarities to magic. Like if you play magic, would you already sort of get some of the concepts and the way that works or is it totally different? There are some things that are kind of the same, but a lot of the really essential stuff is different. Mm-hmm. Like you refill your hand at the end of every turn. So card advantage is a really like different thing to think about. You draw as many cards as your starting hand every turn. You don't draw as many cards as your starting hand. You refill your hand. Oh. So if you have cards that you don't spend, if you don't use on your turn, then you don't get to draw as many. And the most fun part is that your decks are uh, basically built like poker decks. And the way that shootouts happen, like if my dude is going to shoot your dude, is there are certain things that affect it, but then you draw poker hands. Oh, so you're like, I got a straight. And you have to make the best poker hand you can. That's cool. And like my deck is built around trying to make four of a kinds as often as possible. And there'll be other decks that are trying to make straight flushes. And it's really fun. It's really cool. And uh, if you want to check that out, check out like Pinebox Entertainment. They actually just did like, they're just launching a new like starter version of it coming uh-huh. soon. So like, I think they just finished the Kickstarter. So you can't get in on it right now, but like keep an eye out for if they're like pledge manager stuff, if you want to get into it. And all their old stuff is like really cheap right now. Because what if somebody just wants to get into it and buy like one product, what do they get? They just get the like Doomtown Reloaded starter box. And that's got you know, a couple decks, or they should wait just a little bit and get the new starter box when it comes out uh, soon. But it's great. And come, if you want to start playing, come join the Doomtown Discord. I'm on there a lot of the time. And it's great. It's really fun. All right, we'll put some links in the show notes so you can easily find that stuff. Doomtown. Doomtown. Sounds cool. All right. Big thanks to our amazing team here at the Command Zone, of which... Jordan Pridgen is one of them. We have Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Sam Waldo, Gaurav Galati, and our newest team members, Truck Tie, Jamie Block, Damon Lenz, Shauna Gillis, and Evan Limberger. And special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, uh, who does the living card animations that begin and end 
all uh, all of our podcast episodes and often does the windows behind us although this, this cyclonic rift was done by sam so all right jordan thanks for coming and uh, talking politics with, uh, with us well thanks for having me on all right thanks everybody and we will see you next time peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.